Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. Dave here, sitting across from, dare I say, I will say it, my oldest friend that I am still in contact with, Mr. Sean Weehan. Uh, Sean is the CEO and founder of Give Some, and they are doing work that is going to revolutionize the way that philanthropy comes to life, whether you are organizing something for good, or you're trying to network, tell people, get others involved in service, especially with the generation that we are uh, immersed in, uh, the work that, that Sean's doing, that his team is doing, I really think is gonna help amplify how to do good on a bigger scale in a faster amount of time. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis. I'm the host of this show where we're going to hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this, the human experience. Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. Hello, Sean. Hi, Dave. Man, what a great introduction. And I have to say, Dave, I think I've known you since maybe just after kindergarten. Man, you guys, Dave is jacked. He is... <laughs> He is ripped, and when him and I were chasing girls in junior high, he was a skinny, twig, tall kid. Not anymore. He is filled out. He's a solid <laughs> rock, and I am, I'm seriously uh, a little bit jealous of his, uh, his biceps and his guns that he, he, uh, he walked into the office with. So good to see you, Dave. It's How great dare you. How to, dare you. to be you. with you. It's always good to see yeah. you. You know what? We have had this friendship where we always have stayed in touch. There are times when there's been more frequency, times when it's been a year of time, two years of time that's gone by. I always feel like I fall right back in and catch up. Like these, no these time These are the best by. friends, by the way. If you have friends that you can go years without talking to them, and then the moment you see them, it's like zero time has passed. Those are the friends you want to have, especially when you're going through those struggles in life, when you just you need to go back to those people who understand you from your roots. Uh, Dave is that for me, and I, I hope to be continue to be that for him as well. For real. Thanks for asking me to be on this podcast. Thanks for that introduction, man. I'm excited about philanthropy. That's been my passion since I was a little kid, volunteering, being involved, different nonprofits, church work, anything that was giving back to the community, and I'm just excited to be able to share that with others today. All right. Uh, I'm excited about that too, but we have to go right to the topic that everyone is waiting to hear about, and that's Sea Scouts. Yes. Here's the thing. I think people sea are scouts. familiar that, uh, <laughs> I mean, one, I wrote a book that has more nautical themes than anyone ought to be exposed to. I get nauseous just thinking about the number of times I use the word leaving a harbor. Okay. Here's why Sea Scouts is so amazing. It, Boy Scouts are with just the boys. Um, Girl Scouts with the girls. There, there's been some mixing of things as of late, but Sea Scouts, it's co-ed. So starting in junior high, you're on a boat with six to seven of your friends, girls and guys hanging out together, and you're going to go to an island for like three days with one or two adults on that boat. Very limited adult supervision. 
I mean, this is, something's going to happen. It's going to get wild <laughs> and crazy. And it, it usually did, you know, in the most um, playful ways. way. Yeah, but, innocent you know, ways. yeah. I, I remember, because I put it in the book, uh, I joined Sea Scouts primarily because of what you've just described. It was when I was this tall, skinny, my nickname then was Stick Baby. Mm. As in, I was a walking stick. The thinnest, tallest, uh, a decent True breeze. story. And I was on the ground. True story. But the idea that I might join something that would uh, change the way that I might uh, be seen. Oh, no, you're not uh, skinny. You're a sailor. Uh, I'm not sure that that happened because I threw up almost immediately upon but getting you, on any boat. But you had access to get on a vessel that could take you away from your parents. Also and, true. you know, when you're 14, 15, 16 years old, to have that freedom, you don't have maybe a driver's license yet, but you can get on a boat and sail out of a harbor. And we were doing this in Dana Point, California, and it's a beautiful place. And if you could do that with your friends, girls and guys, man, the memories that we made doing those trips, uh, we'll never, never forget them. Yeah. It's part of growing up. All right. That's not why we're here. I just like every, every time I bring up your name, my mom says, hi, dad says, hi. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your parents hi for me. I will. <laughs> They asked how your parents are doing. I said, I don't know. I haven't seen them yet. I'll find out how Barb and Skip are doing. Yeah, like, exactly. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> um, but That's how far we go back, by the way. We go back so far and have so many unique memories. Ski trips, yep. parties at the house. Like, I mean... These are, these are the best. I hope you have a few of them that you hold on to forever. It just really brings color to life. Yeah, I was for Father's Day. I was looking in a memories box because I, as a person who has one time coached a team, was trying to write something that would honor my dad and the way that he had a presence in my life. And I wanted to look back at all those old, remember when they give the ASO plaques? Of course. I mean, gosh, I've still got all those stinking plaques. Your blonde I'm, mug was in half I'm of them. I'm in half of them, yeah. You're in we half always of played them. on the same soccer team. I think there's something to be said about that, too. You build friendships if you're doing sports together. Yeah. And if you have a winning team in particular, and there's a few players that you have chemistry with, you really, as you win, you build those good friendships. I think that's, that plays out in life in a lot of different ways. Too. Yeah. The ones, the ones who you win with, you, you stick with. One of the things I think uh, I didn't know that I had an appreciation for, I certainly didn't think I'd need it, but um, you went through a divorce before I went through a divorce. That's and I remember right. sitting with you in that season and I didn't know what to say, but I was the beneficiary of you sitting by me when yeah. I was going through the season and you did know what to say, which yeah. was amazing. And it's really, I, somebody was sitting by me when I went through it. The, the best piece of advice that I got, and I'll share it with everybody, is, is this, this older gentleman came up to me and he said, you know, one day, years from now, this will feel like ancient history and you won't even remember the pain barely. It will just feel like a thing of your past, like high school. And I remember thinking, no way. Yeah. This is so painful. This is so awful. Every moment I'm experiencing, and I just cannot wait till I get there. And I remember with you just saying, you know, forgive yourself for whatever goes on while you're in this pain. You're going to make crazy um, in all the different ways. But at some point down the road, you'll be on the other side of it, and it'll feel like a, just this old memory that you have. Yeah. All right, for uh, anyone who doesn't know you, which is everyone, I mean, I love you, yeah. but let's introduce a little bit of who Sean is and where he's come from. You've had an interesting kind of past, not like checkered, but uh, your route to entrepreneurship is a little unconventional uh, relative to other founders. Can you give everyone just a little uh, kind of yeah. where you came from and how you got here? Yeah, my, my background's actually in ministry. I uh, got an undergrad in communications and then did some 
some work with some kids out in Alabama volunteering, but then I went right into uh, high school ministry and got a master's in divinity uh, up at the Jesuit School of Theology at Berkeley and basically did adult ministry for a long time as well. So 17 years working in the Roman Catholic Church as a lay minister. And so I have this long ministry background and I work with a lot of nonprofits during that time. Um, found myself divorced in my early 30s, wanted to go have some fun. And I created an organization called Future Leaders of Our Community, matching young professionals with local nonprofits, getting them on boards and committees, and, and just having fun with, uh, to be truthful, a lot of single people in their 20s and 30s <laughs> that wanted to do some volunteer work and have fun with each other. And if, you know, we'd have events in the evening. If you're going to events in the evening, you don't have kids, right? You, you're, you're free. And yep. so you want to go find other people. And we worked with thousands of people in Southern California, LA, San Diego, Orange County. We had different chapters. And during that time, we worked with hundreds of nonprofits, and I kept hearing the same problem, which is we need help with our tech, we need help with our tech. And I wanted to do something different than ministry. I thought maybe I could be an entrepreneur and start a tech company, which is like, how did that come to be? I mean, talk about a left turn. Um, but I have, you know, never been fearful of really anything, always open to try something new, and I thought it'd be fun. So It's interesting you say that. Like, when I think of, like, the differences between you and me as a kid. I, I mean, I've, I've said this it, like offhandedly so many times when trying to describe my fear as a child. You were the one leading the team of people in toilet papering a house. I was the one on the corner as the lookout, <laughs> right. making sure <laughs> that, we, that the police weren't coming. Neighbors weren't banging down. Yeah, yeah. But but I always admired. Like you definitely yeah. had both an adventurous spirit, but also a little bit of like, what's the worst that can happen? And I was like, well, let me tell you, do you want it alphabetically or chronologically? I know everything bad yeah, that can the happen. The big difference between Dave and I is Dave is the oldest and I am the youngest. There you go. So I got four other siblings that are older than me. Dave's the oldest of four. And, uh, you know, that's the, so we look through the world, the lens a little bit differently. That's real. I had a lot of safety nets. Every sibling would have picked me up or my parents and you were there at the top getting yelled at by your parents. <laughs> I was so afraid of getting in trouble. Bless. <laughs> which you did many which, times. Which I still did. Yep. So you jump into entrepreneurship in founding GiveSum. And it was built off of, I, I, which I love, like all of the feedback that was coming out of the future leaders of Orange County that, yep. you know, there, there was a need. And you said, hey, I can fit a need. Yeah. If you hear a problem enough times, you ask yourself the question, am I the person that's supposed to solve this problem? It's pretty audacious when you start raising money for a startup too, because you're asking somebody else to hand you cash that you're gonna go deploy and build your company with. But you have to believe that of all the people in the world, you are the one that's gonna take that vision all the way to the end game, to a sale, to an IPO, whatever it is, you're gonna get it there. And you have to really be confident that God has given you the gifts and talents to actually be that person to get it done. And I would go pitch and I would say, we're going to change philanthropy. We're going to make this so much easier for small to medium-sized charities and clubs to have an all-in-one platform. We're, we're going to do this. People look at me like, you? you, This blonde hair surfer dude who was a minister for all these years? And I'd say, I'm the guy. I have the right skill set to get this done. I will build the team, and we will get to the finish line. And just got, you have you got to have a lot of confidence to say it, and you got to believe that you are that right person. And given my background... I was able to say that with confidence that no, I am the right person and we're doing it. Yeah. So what is the vision of GiveSum? GiveSum stands for Giving Summary. The vision right out of the gate was we wanted to track individuals' giving. 
we wanted to gamify it, put a score on it and say, hey, in the course of the year, I did X number of volunteer hours. I donated to five different charities, this dollar amount, and, and I'm having this sort of an impact. That was the original idea. Mixed with the concept that we would share that data with nonprofit organizations, we would let them know, you know, hey, here's all your supporters, here's the way they're giving, here's the analytics, and we'd make it turnkey and simple. Most charities, as, as your listeners know, are small staff or low budgets. Uh, they maybe have a volunteer crew, but they don't have oftentimes a tech person yeah. that just worries about how do we do an integration with Salesforce? How do we have a major CRM system that integrates with five servers and we're going to build our own platform that does X, Y, Z. Most, most organizations don't have that. Most of them are small. And so tech is overwhelming for them. And in the 21st century, with all the new ways to do things digital, it's like you're just, oh man, trying to market and have donate buttons and auctions and, you know, items that you're selling at point of sale. It just goes on and on. And it's, it's um, complex and we really wanted to solve the complexity problem while tracking the data of the individual donor. And that's what, we're, that's what we're doing. So it's a giving summary of philanthropy shared with the charities so that they can have a greater impact in the world. Yeah. It's interesting. I, a, a prior guest on the show, I ended up meeting with he and his team. His name is Charlie Rocket. And he's got this kind of flip philanthropy on its head kind of model where he put together a motorhome called the Dream Machine. And he's out kind of in a on the road kind of way, trying to bring philanthropy to need as it kind of almost pops up in real time. And he's fundraising five and $10 at a time through mobile with a following of whatever it is, five or 6 million people. And it's a really interesting thing, but maybe more shines a light on the way that philanthropy feels like it's changing and the way that certainly with a younger generation, social impact means a little bit more or yeah. different. Certainly it feels different than when I was younger, when we were younger. It's, it's going to continue to change. There's going to be lots of different ideas that come out. The market is big. No matter what, the market grows every single year. Americans love to give. They'll give, you know, $400 billion, $500 billion recently and this last year. Like, people want to give in America. It's in our DNA. And there's a thousand different ways to do it. And every person that I come across that says, hey, I'm thinking maybe building this platform or having people donate that way. I say, great, go do it. Figure it out. Because every organization needs more help. They need more ways to get dollars in the door. Nobody has the perfect solution. Um, it's a team effort to, you know, create these safety nets of charitable, local charitable organizations throughout the country. We need them. You know, tax dollars don't pay for everything. Yeah. We have to work together in communities to deal with the issues that every community has. And we got to be creative on it. And so I'm always open to whatever the next generation is thinking of. Everyone now wants, oh, can you do NFTs, you know, for our charity? Can we do crypto? Can we do? And it's like, Yes. We're getting there. We'll adopt the technologies. We'll, we'll make it so that wherever you're at, you can give. Are you seeing something in the way that the, like in terms of user base, is it, I'm going to guess that it's younger, but is there something that's happening in what you offer that surprises you or that feels different? Because I don't know, like to me, I know that there's, yes, a history of giving in the U.S., but I don't know that I had as much hope for the future of giving as I feel like I have right now with the way that it feels like a younger generation is more kind of socially interested or active? Well, it's interesting coming out of COVID. Um, and I, I just bring that up because if, if you're locked in your house, or you're not going anywhere, you're not around people, you maybe aren't seeing the immediate need that is there. And so 
where people are seeing that need is on social. They're seeing it on social media and people are operating in somewhat herd mentalities on how they give, you know, so something happens like, oh, there's a GoFundMe site that set this thing up. Let's all give there right now or let's give somewhere over here. And, and so I'm watching a lot of money going towards a specific cause at a particular time um, because something has happened and it's brought a lot of attention through social media. Yeah. And I think that that will, as we get really on the other side of COVID and people are back out in their communities, um, you know, we may see a resurgence of, of just like, hey, we're all getting together at this place, a local pub, and we're just throwing five bucks into the can. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it, you see this stuff ebb and flow. Um, but again, people want to give, they want to be supporting causes that they think are going to make an impact. And it, it goes in trends. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot of people wanting to get back together and be with each other and, and give in that sort of way. Yeah. You're obviously a business that supports businesses. Those businesses oftentimes, though, are nonprofits. Is there anything that you maybe thought about what it meant to be a supporter of nonprofits before you were that you've been surprised by? Is there any stigma or pushback that comes in what it means to quote unquote, operate a business that also, by the way, happens to serve or also happens to, by the way, be a nonprofit? Or is, is it kind of the same for all businesses? So nonprofits are businesses. The tax status is that people can write them donations and, and write it off, right? But at the end of the day, nonprofits are made up with a lot of extremely passionate people who want to see an impact in the world. But the challenge to actually deliver on that is so incredibly overwhelming because at the end of the day, you got to pay your bills, you got to pay your staff, you got to make the flywheel of the social engine turn um, to be sustainable over time. You got to come up with 50 ideas that makes that work. And I think as I've gotten into it, I've realized how difficult it actually is to raise money. There's this thought that, oh, I'll just become a 51c3 nonprofit. People will give me cash. Maybe a few people give you cash. Yeah. But to actually get enough cash to really have a significant impact takes time. And I don't think I realized how much time and energy and focus it takes to have a significant impact in the world as a, as a charity. So the ones that have been around 100 years, my hat is off to them. That's extraordinary that those founders passed away and they were able to hand that vision off to other people um, because the fail rate for nonprofits is just as high as any other business. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. Is there a model that you see inside of the nonprofits? Like, I, I don't know. There's like, a, what's the water one with Scott? What's his name? I'm like, I'm the worst. But like, Scott, uh, Scott Harrison with Charity Water. Charity Water. Like th there, there are a handful of examples that people tend to point to. And I end up, you know, I've been doing a little bit more work in kind of a business consulting uh, fashion for a handful of nonprofits recently. And people will pull out, pull out Scott. I'm like, is and it? Scott's one guy. That's, that's Scott. It's, it's like, one charity. It's one guy and one charity. And it might be a unicorn. Impact, yeah. But it's, it's amazing, but I'm not sure that it's replicable. It, well, Scott tells a good story and he tells it over and over and over again. Yeah. He has one story. And he's gotten really good at telling it across, you know, the world. Um, and they've generated a lot of money to dig wells in Africa and yeah. have an impact there. And, and um, but, you know, that's just one aspect for the larger nonprofit world is, yeah, you can be a good storyteller and maybe you can raise money. But if you're a local charity in a small community and you're trying to do that one little thing, what you got to figure out is what is your social enterprise? What is the thing that is a repeat thing that you can do over and over again that's going to generate money for your, your cause? And that's the challenge. That's the real entrepreneurship of yeah. a nonprofit. 
what is it? You know, is it people dropping off things for free and you sell it for a profit, which is what the Goodwill does? That's a great business model, by the way. They've been around 100 years doing that. Yep. Um, or, you know, maybe it's you're selling something else or people are, you know, you do an event every year that generates enough for you to run the thing. It's different for every organization. It's the That's the challenge of the entrepreneur running the charity to figure that out. Yeah. The only piece of advice that I've given to each of the three groups that I'm working with right now is that they... Uh, instill in every person who's working there that their number one priority is to raise money. Like the, if, if you have a problem asking for money or if you don't have some part of your responsibility that connects back to how you're going to bring money in, you're not going to have a business. And it's hard sometimes because, you know, oftentimes people who feel drawn into service also were raised inside of a church that may have in some ways stigmatized money in some way that made them feel weird about talking about it or asking people for it. Or they but see money as evil. They see money as evil. And, and if you have too much of it, you're somehow in the wrong. Yep. So yeah, that's a challenge for, for everybody who's had a struggle with money to get into the nonprofit. They have to be willing to ask for it a lot. And if they're not willing to ask for it, they won't get the money to actually make an impact. Money is just gas in the gas tank. That's all it is. You got to get on the other side of that fear to just be like, hey, I need this money. And uh, I need a lot of money, a large amount of money. And the more money we have, the more impact we can make. And that's why we're asking for it. And that's yep. the bottom line. All right. So coming in to this venture, what was the biggest obstacle at the beginning? And how have the obstacles changed over time? Okay. So if you come up with an idea and you really want to see that idea through, most likely you're going to be by yourself, even if you have co-founders. Um, you'll have people that will come around you and they'll say, yeah, I want to do it. And I made the mistake. I, I, you know, Band of Brothers, I got five or four of us together. It was five of us total. And I basically was like, hey, let's go build this business. We'll all take equal ownership. We'll charge forward. And it's like doing a high school project. You know, there are five in a group. A couple are going to help out. The others are going to slack. <laughs> Only one's really going to push the whole group along. And that was really my experience out of the gates. Like, oh, man, this is going to be me. And I'm going to have to put in you know, all day, all night for years to really get on the other side of this. How long has it been? Believe it or not, the idea came to me in 2012 when Facebook was just exploding. Yeah. Facebook was everywhere. And I was asking the question, where's the, where's the Facebook for philanthropy, you know? Um, and that was kind of the initial seed. And then looking at charities and all the needs that they had. And 2013, I got a group of people together to start building a, an early what I would call just general MVP, you know, early beta. But it wasn't until 2015 when we thought, oh, we're going to have to raise money. This is going to be expensive. Tech is expensive. Yeah. And, um, you know, I started asking asking friends, friends and family around, and, and some of my friends were generous enough to say, you know, Sean, I believe in you, throw in a couple bucks, and I really appreciated that. Um, I'm smiling at Dave over here. <laughs> I, yeah. I just felt bad for you. I don't know that I believed. <laughs> Right. I believe like, let me throw this guy a vote, <laughs> you know, so you got to go to everybody and you're you, sometimes your longtime friends to say, hey, man, I'm going to ask you to uh, help me help me live out this dream. And, you know, you, you some point you start hiring people and then it gets and it gets really scary because you're you're paying people's bills. Yeah. And you're looking at that burn rate every month and you're thinking, OK, we got a couple months. We're going to be out of money. We're still building, still building, still building. If you want to build an all-in-one, that's a million features. It's not just, oh, we'll do this one thing. It's like, no, we want to do 50 things. We want to do 
you know, auctions, mini CRM, text, emails, donations, ticket sales. We want to do volunteer management. We want to do, you know, anything that a charity needs, point of sale at any event that you're at. Like, that's a lot of things. Yeah. And you don't build that overnight. It's like, you know, building 20 platforms and then, you know, but you're going to do it just under one roof. And so years go by. You're still telling your friends, yeah, we're still building, still building, not quite there yet. Each step of the way, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night just thinking, what am I doing? How yeah. much longer am I going to do this for? Years of my life has passed. You, you look at your beard and it's getting gray and you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, when I started this, I was, I was a young buck. But, you know, at some point you turn around and you realize, wow, we've gotten so far. And I had one of my employees say to me the other day, she's like, aren't you proud? Aren't you proud of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? She's like, I'm like proud of you. Aren't you proud of yourself? And you're like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess like. What a, what, I mean, that's the raddest thing someone can say pretty, to you. It is cool. That Dang is it. Yeah. That's I mean, cool. that's awesome. I, I mean, I can still remember the, those early, early pitch. It was like less mm. a pitch. I mean, you were, you were trying to get more money, but like the early overview of here's where we're going. This is the vision, but it wasn't built. Like no. trying to convince people to believe what the what the build's going to look like when you're not even at the point where you got the parts yet is wild. I had somebody say to me yesterday, and this was this is true story. Like just yesterday, somebody on a call said, "I just want to thank you for building this because this is making a difference for our. This is a service club. They're like this service club. We were lost before we got this platform, and we love it. Uh, when somebody tells me they love our platform." I just want to post that on social media and be like, <laughs> the day somebody fell in love with my platform, you know, <laughs> fireworks going off. Like, I, cause when you work at something for so long, like you, you know what it's going to be in your head, but nobody else does. And you have to tell them over and over and over again. It's, I swear people are going to love this. Yeah. And then when somebody finally tells you that, you just want to cry. What was a big tipping point for you? Like, I, I know there was like a lot of outreach to schools. There was a lot of outreach to different like Kiwanis and other things. But There's like, a lot of serendipity moments when you're building a business. You never know when they're going to happen, but you have to have faith that they will. Yeah. And a lot of people told me that. Coaches told me that. Like, hey, just be ready for it. Be ready for when a serendipity moment happens. The big tipping point for us is, believe it or not, I went to a friend's giving. I was in line to get a turducken. <laughs> at the Friendsgiving and um, I, I got my, you know, paper plate in my hand and this guy gets in line behind me and we just start talking. Turns out that he is a, you know, runs a VC firm and he heard our idea and it was in line with their thesis and what they invest in and they have become our biggest investor. Wow. Um, almost a, a million dollars, <laughs> almost a million dollars in investment of sitting at a friend's or sitting in line at a Friendsgiving and that was a cute, you know, huge moment for us because that was some gas in our gas tank that we needed. It accelerated us in a lot of different ways. It's gotten us to where we are now. Um, but those moments, there's been many moments like that along the way where you just run into somebody, they become your employee. Yeah. I'm out walking my dog. We've hired two people from just walking my dog and running into other people that have, you know, dogs and you start talking and next thing you know, they're charging your business ahead and that's the fun part. Yeah. That's, that's why I think people do entrepreneurship is you just never know what's going to happen day to day. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did watch the video of uh, the most recent, uh, I don't even know what do you call it, like a quarterly update, yeah. but there were lines that were crossing uh, the, the kind of like horizon as it right. were. And 
in a world where you've been at this for so long, you know, it's like, I think you just have to like believe that you're going to get to a place where you hit some yeah. profitability, where you hit uh, a number of users, where you hit big acquisition and, you know, service organizations and you're fine. Like you're, it feels yeah. like you're like really close to. Yeah. And the, the timeline is, is unique to every business. So if we would have ran this business up in Silicon Valley in the heart of the tech world, maybe we would have gotten there in two years. Yeah. We've ran it in Southern California in Orange County. You know, yeah. you, don't, you throw a stick and you don't hit five VCs and four developers and five angel investors. Like, you know, you got to really hunt for it down yeah. here. And it has grown at the speed upon which it has been supposed to grow. Yeah. You know, and it's taken some time. But, um, you know, we're finishing up a seed round. We'll go into our Series A next year. Millions and millions of dollars of investment. And uh, maybe, Dave, we'll sell the company. I'll give you back your money. Let's go. <laughs> I've got this piece of paper. Where it is, I'd have to find. But it has my name on it and yours. Hey, so <laughs> angel investing is fun. I, 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 wanna, I, I look forward to being on the other side of, of this company and helping a lot of entre entrepreneurs see their dreams come true, invest in their companies, and, and help them along the way. Is that, is that what you want to do next? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. My nephew actually graduated Stanford, and he's already started his first startup. Oh. The guy raised like seven hundred fifty thousand like a week. Come it's on, it's so much easier with a network up there. Like, I just smile and grin at him. I'm like, you're gonna pass me up in like six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken me years. You'll get there in five minutes. So you know, network helps, right? But yeah, I want to help other entrepreneurs because um, I know how hard it is, and and I, I do enjoy doing yeah. some coaching as well. So I've been I've been really I, the this last handful of months I've been really trying to deliberately take a little time to figure out what next looks like. I've been weighing, do I want to do anything public facing really, or would I be okay just doing some business consulting? And the business consulting piece has only now lived inside of the nonprofit space. It's been some of the best soul work for yeah. sure. It hasn't, I mean, I haven't charged people, so it's not really a, you know, a bill payer, but right now just getting my nails dirty with some people who are trying to do good has been good for me. And I think, I think sky's the limit for you, Dave, whatever path you decide to go on, it's going to be successful. By the way, you guys, Dave has been successful since he was, you know, early days of high school, like <laughs> continuously always at the top. Uh, you know, he's student body president, um, you know, just always, you know, right there above everybody else. So uh, Dave, that, none of that's going to change. I'm sure whatever you go into continuously is going to be fun for you and you're going to be at the top of your game and top whatever industry you're on. It's just fun to watch you along the journey. Oh man, same back to you. I love you, man. All right, last question. If you could leave our listeners with a single piece of advice, uh, something actionable, a quote, something you think they need to hear today, whether it's in their entrepreneur journey or in their life, what is that single piece of advice? Simply never give up. Hey, never give up. If you don't give up, if you just keep going at it, you won't fail. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your hats off for Mr. Sean Weehan. Thank you, Dave. I love, love you, buddy. Brother. All right. Hey, if somebody wants to learn more about Give Some, if they want to uh, maybe invest in the next round, where do you send them to learn more about this fine organization? Hey, we got a GiveSome.com, G-I-V-S-U-M.com. We also have a WeFunder campaign. Retail investors can jump in on this. So that's at WeFunder, W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R. Dot com slash give some G-I-V-S-U-M. Let's go. You can invest today. Thanks. All right. Love you, buddy. Hey. 
Hey y'all, while I am taking a hiatus from social media, I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular. If you head over to mrdavehollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals. Yep, I'm gonna be sending out regular updates, uh, stories, uh, observations, hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think. Uh, and I'd love to be able to do that on the reg. So if you uh, are so inclined, hit mrdavehollis.com, drop in your email and buckle on up. I love y'all. Thank you for all the continued support. Let's go.